Welcome to Take Another Look with Gerda Felix and Melanie Tadio Malo with a genuine conversation about what's missing from the human connection. Let's join Melanie and Gerda now. Good day and welcome to Take Another Look with Gerda Felix and Melanie Tadio Malo. We're your co-hosts. Welcome to our premiere episode. We are so excited. Gerda, how are you doing? <laughs> oh my gosh. I, it, I'm so happy that this day is finally here. I am excited and I'm looking forward to have conversations with you, Melanie. It's I'm, been a dream come true. Well, this is it. We've been planning forever and finally we've taken the plunge and here we are. Let's talk a little bit about what this podcast is going to be about so our audience knows what they can expect. Gerda. What is your vision for Take Another Look? Well, you know, we, we, we will be talking about conversations that most people want to have. And perhaps they feel that they are, it is too uncomfortable to have those conversations. We will talk about different types of subjects, going from inclusion, diversity, self-improvement, emotions, it is a wide range of subjects. So we will have a lot to talk about. And I, the thing I'm looking forward to, Gerda, is we get deep. We go deep. We really talk about these topics that people shy away from. You know, maybe they could be taboo or people don't say things out loud, but we know they're thinking it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you know, Melanie, that I go deep. So I hope it is not only okay for you, and I know it's, it's okay with you, but it's okay with our audience as well. So, because yes, I like, I like to go as deep as possible to remove what is in the way, because for me, this is very important. We tend to shy away of having difficult conversations. And in the midst of all this, we forget that not having those difficult conversations is what festers, that it festers and it makes it even more difficult. Don't, wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. And then let's face it, change never happens, whether in our own personal lives, professional lives, or in the world. So let's address it. Take the bull by its horns, have these conversations, and see what we can do to help make change happen. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, it, it is important. It is important. I feel it is important, especially in the, you know, the times that we are in now, especially in the midst of a pandemic. I feel that we are called to reflect, to do some introspection, and also to have those uncomfortable conversations. And that's why for me, I think it is the best time when all distractions or at, at least at almost all distractions have been taken away and we are faced with our own selves. What are we gonna do? <laughs> it's so true. So I think the first thing we need to start with Gerda is let's introduce ourselves to our audience. Gerda, who is Gerda Felix? 
Well, since you cannot see me, Gerda Felix is, and I said Felix as in French, because Gerda Felix is a woman from originally from Haiti who has lived in Canada most of her life. She has learned so many things. I've done so many different things. And she is now, she, she likes to call herself a life coach, a spiritual life coach, because Gelda sees everything from the spirit. I like to say about myself that I am someone who is always learning, always observing, always changing. That's what I would like to say about myself. What about you, Melanie? Uh-huh. So, well, I'm a passionate woman. I'm, I'm Canadian, born and raised. My background is my dad's Italian. My mom was Canadian. And so I am, the, I'm not going to say typical. I'm far from typical. I am a white woman who's, until the age of 21, led a very exciting, normal life, whatever normal might be. But at the age of 21, I suffered a massive stroke that left me completely paralyzed on the left side and legally blind. And it has now changed and helped me evolve into the woman I've become today as an individual, not only who's passionate about different things, but also as a blind individual that has faced many barriers and challenges in life, but with perseverance, determination, and being a little bit stubborn, I've overcome those. Um, My background is a special education teacher, and I love to help others grow and, you know, help them achieve their goals. So I think together we met at Toastmasters. And for those of the audience that may not know what Toastmasters is, it's an international organization that helps you improve your communication and leadership skills. And Gerda, Let's talk a bit about the first time we met, how we clicked. (laughs) Yes, we met through your project. Mm -hmm. You were having, you were organizing a project and you had asked that to have people to be part of your committee. And I said, yes, I didn't know what it was about really to tell you the truth. I didn't understand the full concept, but I thought, why not? And I said, yes. And that's how we started our connection. Just by saying yes. See, people, the first thing we need to learn is always be open to opportunities. You never know what will come your way. And out of that, we had an amazing project. And you and I have built such an amazing friendship. And now we're doing a podcast. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And we've done so many different projects mm-hmm. in between. Absolutely. It's been, oh, Melanie, it's been a wonderful connection time, a wonderful friendship. I think it started in September last year. And mm-hmm. although we've never met each other face to face, it's been a very strong, deep bond between the two of us. And I've learned a lot and you have allowed me to truly be the person that I am created to be. And the fact that even with resonance of stars, (laughs) when you had said yes to the project that yes, we can do it, resonance of stars, something in me just opened up because I realized that I really love to 
create things that are out of this world. And you've given me that opportunity. Yes, what so would I, you say for you? Well, for me, you know, it was interesting because I just had this idea. Okay, I want to celebrate the members of the party. And then you just took it to the next level. So why don't you just explain what you did, Garrett? Because we can't leave the audience hanging, wondering what is Resonance of Stars? <laughs> you know, I, I'm laughing because what is Resonance of Stars? When you shared with us what you wanted to do in your project, and you wanted to end it with a bang. And suddenly I thought, we could do something like Oprah did in her her three-day activities. And I went online and I looked and I searched and I viewed and, and, and watched a lot of different YouTube videos. And then I thought, why not do the same thing on Zoom to have beautiful celebration in three different time zones and all interconnected? And once I was able to share this idea with the members with, of the committee, everybody was on board. So what did we do? We had a celebration a three-hour celebration, one hour in each time zone. One was for EST, which is the time zone I'm in since I live in London, Ontario. Another one was in South Africa. And another one was in India. So we started with the brunch. South Africa was the tea party and the the gala. I say gala, but the gala was in India. What a beautiful celebration that was. What do you think? Oh, it was amazing. Everybody was dressed to the nines. We're all uh-huh. looked amazing. Even though it was like in our time zone, it was like nine in the morning and on a Sunday. <laughs> we were all like, oh my gosh. But it was so much fun. You know, it was opportunities for people to learn, to showcase their talents, to share their stories. And the connection between the three time zones was something that we had never done before. You know, we are always looking at the negative side of the pandemic. And trust me, there's many of those topics we can talk about and we will. But this was one of the highlights of the pandemic for me, being able to connect with people across the globe, doing a project on this scale that didn't cost us anything but the Zoom account. Exactly. Exactly. And and, and I... That was one of the blessings <laughs> blessing for me because I thought if I was to pull this off in the physical world, knowing my taste, <laughs> it would cost me a lot of money. So I was, I felt really blessed to have been able to do this on Zoom mm-hmm. and to have everybody who said yes, they show up fully. Remember we we changed our wardrobe, our dresses, <laughs> two different times. Like we had three different outfits for this celebration. <laughs> it was definitely a production. It was amazing. So that's how Gerda and I met. And that's just the beginning of a beautiful connection that Gerda and I have. But now we want to connect with all of you. So Gerda, we talked about ourselves we talked about the intention of our podcast is to talk about uncomfortable topics that are important for us to really dive deep into and take another look at 
But today I thought we could start off with what uncomfortable conversations actually are and why we should be having them. So let's start, Gerda, what does uncomfortable conversations mean to you? To me, uncomfortable conversations are the elephants in the room. The, the, the thing that we know it's there, but we, nobody wants to address. And being the person that I am, it bothers me because I feel like, okay, there's a big elephant in the room. And we are going to do like if we, as if we didn't see it. And we have to go around it. That for me drives me crazy. Uncomfortable conversations are conversations to have. Why? Because what we don't say with our mouth will show up. We will say it in our body. And I feel like it is important to say things with our mouth. So true. I think about all the different scenarios and let's go few, through a few of these. So uncomfortable conversations we need to have at work. Gerda, have you ever had a situation like that? Mm-hmm. Yes, I've had situations like that. I've had situations where I was made feel to feel like I wasn't good enough. And that's an uncomfortable conversation to have, especially when I know who I am. I know what I bring to the table. But when you have someone who constantly makes you feel like you're not worthy and yet expect the best of you, because I don't know how this will work. When, when, when someone is making someone feel unworthy, how do you expect them to give you the best? I don't, I don't even understand. But I have that, those things happen to me to the point that I had left a work, a place where I work, I left because for me, I did not want to be in that toxic environment because for me, my peace of mind is very important. So yes, I've had those. They are not pleasant, but because of the person that I am, I think it is important to have those conversations. So before you left the workplace because of the situation, did you have a conversation with someone about how you were being made to feel? And I did. What was that conversation like? I'm, I am usually a very upfront and open person. And as we have learned in Toastmasters about the different style of communication, I am a direct style of communicator. So what, what it was like is that everything I have I was doing, this person was after me, checking everything that I do. So when I had a conversation with that person, at first I could see that he was taken aback because I did tell him that the way that I was feeling. But then after that, he started to do the same thing again. And to me, that, was going in, that wasn't going anywhere. Because we know in all levels of communication, what do they tell you? When you are, are having a problem with someone, what do you do? You go to go the to person. Directly, yeah. Right? That's the first step. Then if this doesn't get solved, then you go to the next person. Mm-hmm. That's the second step. <laughs> and if that doesn't work, then you go to the committee or whatever the committee is or human resource. But the thing is, 
if everyone is listening to only one side, then there is someone who is not at ease. There is someone who is not being heard. Mm-hmm. There, is not, there is someone who is feeling less than. And there is no way to have an employee and whatever level that employee is at who is feeling less than to give you something great. That is not possible. And that's exactly it. So when you get to that point, yes, definitely you need to leave that environment. But in that moment of that conversation, how did it make you feel after you spoke your mind? I felt very powerful because for me, for me, it is important that whatever I have, I need to cough it out because I don't like, I don't want to leave it in my body. And, and I keep things enough in my body, but there's a point that I need to share it. I need to say it. And I am open that we can work towards something that is good for both of us. So it's a, so that it is a win-win situation. I know it's not always the case, but I know there was a time in my life, there was a point that I, that I come to in every situation that I need to make a decision. And decision, the decision is what is best for me? Because if my health is being is, you know, my health is being affected, my psyche is being affected, then I know that mm, it's not a good place for me. So after a conversation like this, in a way, I feel empowered, depending on how it goes, then my, my spirit might be bruised, depending on how the person was open to it or close to it. Mm-hmm. And in the end, I know I will have to make a decision because I have made decisions before in regards to this. Because one thing I know for a fact is that without me, there is no other. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. I know for myself at work, you know, I, I'm, I've supervised a lot of placement students or volunteers for my charity. And I've had to have those uncomfortable conversations, you know, the ones where they're not doing what they're supposed to do. They're dragging their feet. They're coming in late, all those things. So you have to be the, the voice of reason, the, the person that is giving feedback, but in an uplifting way, of course, because that's my style. However, unlike you, you're direct. I'm supportive. <laughs> I, I cushion the blow always. <laughs> but for me, I have no problem giving feedback. It's when you've given the feedback over and over again, have these conversations, come up with solutions, and they still aren't following through. And then you have to have that very uncomfortable question, a conversation where it's that come to reality conversation where, listen, either you change or it's done. Those mm-hmm. I find are uncomfortable. But once I've had them, I know that I've done everything in my power to help support this individual and they've chosen or they're not able to fulfill their end of the bargain or deal or situation. And like you, it's like that feeling of a deep breath after, you know, okay, I've done everything. I've addressed it. And now the solution has actually had to come from this point. And I find that so many people dread these conversations because of course, perhaps they feel like they're in the wrong or, and I try very, very hard not to accuse anybody, but Mm -hmm. 
you know, we all are human, we make mistakes, we have issues, we have situations, but if we have communication and open dialogue about it, we should be able to come with a reasonable solution for both parties. But you're right, when one side isn't as receptive as the other, it can be very difficult and very uncomfortable. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so that's work. But let's face it, uncomfortable conversations come in all different shapes, sizes, and forms. So yes. how about relationships? Because this one I know is a biggie. Uncomfortable <laughs> conversations in a relationship, whether it's with a, in, an intimate relationship or friendship, family, Tell me about one of your situations, Gerda. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this is definitely a work in progress for me. Uh, the reason I'm saying this is because, again, I am a direct communicator and I share my feelings. It's interesting to be direct and sharing your feelings, but that's the person that I am. I am a direct communicator, direct communicator and I share my feelings, which means that something happens and I don't like it, and I need to address it. And I will say, you know, when this happened, this is how I feel. And right now I I am in a vulnerable place or however, how I can say it, but I will share my emotions. Now, depending on how the person comes or receives that message, well, then, you know, we, we may have to have another conversation. What I have learned and, and that's why probably why it, it is hard because a lot of, especially when it's so personal, when it is on a personal level, the reason that it is so hard, it's because when we are feeling our emotions, we're trying to make sense of something that we probably do not even understand in the moment. And that's what makes it hard. For example, I could have a reaction to something and I think I am reacting in the present moment when in fact, I may be react, reacting from something that happened when I was a child. <laughs> I may be reacting from my own beliefs. So depending on the reaction, it could be not exactly from the present, but from something that I have been carrying from so, for so long. And that's what makes it more difficult because there are layers to difficult conversations. Of course, so our unconscious biases or belief systems play a huge part in how we as human beings react to certain situations. Yes, yes. Beautiful. big time, big time. Because, you know, for example, if I think, if I, I'll give an example and I'll give a broad example. If I think I operate on the belief that money does not grow on trees, what do you think? How do you think I'm going to work? I am going to work very hard because even if the money came to me easily, I am still thinking that money does not grow on trees. Mm Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. And it's so true. So as we're raised in different beliefs and frameworks, it will impact us for our lives. And, Mm -hmm. you know, again, along that line, you know, for me growing up, you know, yes, we were always taught, taught to work hard and to save your money. 
but we were also given what we needed. So there was no sense of dire need. So when I was all grown up and had to move it on my own, learning to budget and to save was a huge thing for me, even though I had been taught the essential skills because I never had to want and not saying that's a bad thing. My family took very good care of me, but I feel it is so important for us as uh, family members, adults, teachers, whatever. We need to educate young people at an early age about the value of money and the importance of how to save efficiently, but not put in a sense of belief system tied to it. If that's mm-hmm. possible, I don't even know if it is, is it? <laughs> well, I don't think it is, to tell you the truth. Okay. Well, even because even if trying not to put a belief system is also, is already putting a belief system. For, okay. for example, if I believe that all, every, each person, each woman who gets married is, needs to be walked down the aisle by their father. Mm-hmm. And this is the way that I was raised. What do you think will happen if I don't have a father to walk me down the aisle? I start to question certain things or I am going to look for somebody to fill out this role. Mm -hmm. There's always beliefs in everything that we do, even if they were not vocalized beliefs, even if it was the things that we saw our parents, caretakers do when we were children, we, in our head, we have created a belief from that because even if even the belief of abandonment this is a belief that we've created in our in our head when as a child we were expecting something and we get something else it's amazing and i know we'll do a whole episode on belief systems because that's so in-depth but let's get back to these uncomfortable conversations I know there's some techniques to having effective, uncomfortable conversations. So if you are the person having to really have this conversation, whether it's a personal or professional, we need to have good techniques. So what are some of the techniques that you would suggest that we could really utilize, Gerda? The first technique I would say is to listen. Listen, not to respond. And I know we hear this often, but listen not to respond, but listen to understand. When we listen in that space, we give the other person the opportunity to be true and to share their truth. When we listen, waiting to say something, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, or even as soon as there's a question that is being asked or somebody has finished saying what they, what they needed to say and you start talking, you have not listened. And I notice this a lot. I notice this and it's always fascinating to me because it almost feels like when we, we are having those type of conversation where nobody is listening, everybody's talking but nobody's listening is like two children saying yeah but my ice cream is better than yours yeah but my ice cream is better. <laughs> I don't know, that's what it feels to me and i'm always fascinated because 
we have not taken the time to listen. Active listening is a huge part of having a beautiful, loving, deep conversation. Because the other person is not your enemy. There's a problem. We are collaborators in fixing that problems. So that would be the first one that I would say. The second one I would say is to, and that's a tough one. I know it's a tough one for me. Speaking first part, I feel like I heard, I saw, you know, I. When this happened, I felt this way. When I heard, you know, what you said, I suddenly I felt myself, you know, you explain this way when you say I, because when you speak in first party, then the other person who's listening to you will not go into defense mode. Because if you if you say you, 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 well, of course, the other person <laughs> feels like they have to defend themselves. And that's a big one. That, that's really a big, a big one. No blame games is what we're saying. Yeah. We want to yeah. definitely take ownership on how we are being impacted and yes. share our thoughts. Okay, so yes. we've got that. What's next? There's got to be another main key one. <laughs> and that's another one that's, that's a little tough. No history, no recall of history. You remember in 2004 you did this? <laughs> but we are having a conversation. Do not bring the old issues that has happened, have happened before into the present conversation. Because one thing I know, and I've been told that many times, the person usually say, or whoever I'm talking to usually say, I'm confused. What are we talking about now? So do not bring up stories from 1964. <laughs> we shouldn't keep a list of all the offenses the other person has done to us and bring up our laundry list and go, you did this in this state, not that. That's what you're saying, right? <laughs> yes, like, I mean, seriously, you, I'm pretty sure that if there was a conversation to be had from those times, you would have had it before. Now I understand that when something is getting, it's always the same thing that's happening over and over again. Well, then we should, it's time for us to ask ourselves, is this the best partnership for me? Mm-hmm. And that could be in work, at work, in, you know, personal uh, social, because if, you know, I've, I've heard something a while ago by Ian Lavenzent. Ian Lavenzent said, it is not my job to tell people how to love me. My job is to observe how people love and decide if it is the way that I want to be loved. That's powerful. Yeah, <laughs> yes, because when we are in relationships where when we are telling people how to love us, it is not a loving relationship. Mm-hmm. It's not, and that's another quote by Ian, because I remember her saying, it is unloving to continually ask someone to do something that they, they are unwilling or unable to do. It is unloving. And when I heard that, I said, unloving for who? 
I'm loving, for, this is the way I said it, I'm loving for who? And then I realized, well, it's unloving for both people, for the person who's doing the nagging yes. and for the person who is unable or unwilling. That, yes, it's so true. And you know what, you, when we take that framework and look at our lives, I'm sure there's many situations we've all been in the past or currently that this is relatable. So mm-hmm. after the uncomfortable conversation has been had, Gerda, what happens then? So we've had a discussion. We've hopefully come to some sort of understanding of how both parties are feeling. And even better, maybe a solution has been reached what happens next? Well, hopefully we have come to an agreement, you know, because if I'm talking to some, I'm talking to someone that I love and I'm saying, okay, I understood what my, what I've done, how it has affected you. And if I'm saying, I'm sorry. And usually for me, if I am saying that I'm sorry to someone, I really mean it. It's not the, I'm sorry my, my bad, and then we continue doing the same thing. That's not it. But because I hear that a lot. People say, my bad, I'm sorry, and we continue to do the same thing. Now, for me, it's, it's really a very deep and, and truthful apology. Mm-hmm. And this is what I will do going forward. Is that okay with you? Is that something that you think we could do together? And then we come to a consensus. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the really amazing things about having these uncomfortable conversations, it's almost like an aha moment because the other person may not even have a clue what's happening and, and how can they be accountable if they're clueless because we haven't spoke up. One would exactly. hope that they were aware, but they don't always know that. And then again, like you said, unwilling or unable to change. And again, that's something that we have to look deeper at at another conversation because I think I would even like to understand how we can easily or not easily, but with work, make some changes in our own personal lives when we're not happy of certain things. But the other point, what happens if the uncomfortable conversation doesn't come to a consensus? What are the options, Gerda? What what could people do? Because let's face it, not everybody's going to agree on everything. True. And that's when we have to make a decision. Is this the right environment for me to grow? And really, it's not about making others feeling bad or feeling wrong, feeling whatever. It's about what is it do I need? Okay, let let me put it this way. What is Gerda as, let's say, a flower, as a rose? What environment do I need in order for me to flourish? And from that question... I can make the decision to find another environment. So is it fair to say, Gerda, that although we will have uncomfortable conversations here on this podcast, we may not always agree. We may have differences of opinions. However, we are going to have these uncomfortable conversations so we can bring to light different thoughts and ideas so that our audience can also form how they feel. And then hopefully they will come back to us and share their thoughts as well. Would that be a good summary of our intention? Yes, absolutely. Because, you know, I always say life is like a coin. I might be looking at the head 
and you are looking at the tail. If, if I did not know there was another side or at least be open to it, I would think that the, what I am seeing is the end all and be all. <laughs> it's true. So we have to be open and be comfortable enough to be willing to hear the other side, another perspective, mm -hmm. because otherwise we stay in with what we know and what we think is right. Exactly. And it is okay. It is okay. If I, and, and, and all this comes to what is it that I need? What is it that I need to get out of it? What is it? How is it? How do I need to, I want to feel? Is this something that is making me grow? Or do I feel like every time that I am there, my spirit is crushed? There are many questions we can answer in order for us to make a decision whether we are going to stay and stay in any type of environment or whether or not we are going to leave. And I know, I, I can feel it. Some people will say it's not that easy. And one thing I want everybody to know, I never said it was. <laughs> exactly. I think we all come to the point where we have a breaking point as well. Yes. Yes. And yes. Because my sister always says to me, there are certain things in life you are still doing. It's because you haven't reached your breaking point yet. Once you reach it, you won't even care <laughs> what will happen next. And you will move towards the change. It's so true. And not because somebody told you to, it's because you no. have made that decision. Exactly. Exactly. When I, I quit my job, so I quit my job to come to London, Ontario. I used to live in Montreal. Before I quit my job, there were many things that happened. I was under stress. Uh, my, my face was filled with pimples. <laughs> my head was bleeding at some parts. And, you know, my, my mom would say to me, why don't you go to, to London, Ontario? And I what am I going to do in London, Ontario? Looking at my sister being happy. <laughs> this is what I said to her, yeah. because I wasn't ready. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then my, my brother-in-law would say to me, come to London, Ontario. My sister would say, come to London. I would say, no. <laughs> And then one day, one day, I had an out-of-body experience. And from that point, I reached some peace. I became peaceful. And in that moment, I knew that I needed to move. Yeah. And it's funny because it's at your own timetable. Nobody can push you at their time that like what they think is right for you mm -hmm. you need to reach that point on your own and that's the thing when we look at the world right now in the time that we're living with this pandemic everybody's like like when it started we thought it was three weeks long we thought we we're gonna be home for three weeks and now it's like oh my gosh almost wow over 18 months now but yes we don't know what comes next we have to be prepared but that doesn't mean that our personal timetables and say, you know what, I've had enough. I need to do this, whatever it might be. So even just for the audience, take some a look at your what's going on in your life right now. What uncomfortable conversations do you need to have or have you had? Did they work? Or is it something you need to work on? So take some time to reflect, 
have those uncomfortable conversations because you will feel a sense of relief. Possibly some solutions will be made and progress and moving forward in our lives and relationships. They may not always work and that's okay because that just means that they maybe need to go out in a different direction, perhaps on a different conversation, a different time, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. not everybody's always ready for those conversations, right, Gerda? Yes, definitely. And one thing I, I, I would like to add, Melanie, mm. especially in this pandemic, where we really don't know. I don't think we've ever experienced something so earth shattering, mm. especially here, okay? here when I say in Canada and North America. I don't think we've ever experienced something like this where we don't know. We are living in still in the midst of this pandemic. And I wonder how many people really took the time to understand who they are and what's happening with them in this pandemic. Because, you know, to tell you the truth, it's only, as you know, I, I was working on my level five in Pathways in Toastmasters program. And when I w- had to sit down and craft my vision, <laughs> create my vision, that's when I took the time to really took the time to go within and understand what's going on. Who am I becoming in this pandemic? What have I let go of in this pandemic? And what made me who I am today? Because I can tell you, there are certain things I know that I had let go of. And that's why I am who I am, how I am in many ways. And I had to sit down with that because I have come to a point of decision. Well, am I going to continue to accept, do the same things? Or am I going to decide that mm, what I am seeing in the mirror, I don't really like that. So what work do I need to do to change that? And you know, I think it's interesting because the pandemic has had us all slow down, whether it's because we're working at home, we've had limitations of where we can go, what we can do. So we've had time to really spend time with your family or your loved one, or if you're by yourself, by yourself. And had to really reassess what's important. You know, obviously, unfortunately, a lot of people have lost employment. So so there's been financial struggles. And of course, isolation and depression is rapid. But Mm -hmm. we also have had this golden opportunity to really assess what's important in our lives. And we've probably had to have these uncomfortable conversations with ourselves, too. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm not as healthy as I'd like to be. What can I do about it? Or, you know what, I'm in debt. I need to save money. How am I going to do this? Mm-hmm. And it's tough. And sometimes we're not the best people to have those conversations with ourselves. So we go to others and have these uncomfortable conversations. And either way, they need to be had. We need to do that self-reflection that you were talking about. And this will be one step closer to helping us move forward in our lives. But Gerda, I look forward to having so many uncomfortable conversations with you on so many different topics with our audience. So before we close off, Gerda, we have an episode coming up every week for our audience and on different topics, and we won't give you all the sneak peeks right away. But we will have an email address in the next 
contact, uh, next episode for you to contact us. We would love to hear from you. Give us your questions, your thoughts, your feedbacks. Gerda, anything else you'd like to tell the audience before we get going? Yes, please feel free to reach out to us. We want to keep this conversation going. Tell us something that you did not agree with or something you agreed with. That is fine. We are open to listen to you. Absolutely. These are only our perspectives. Mm-hmm. Until mm-hmm. next time, I'm Melanie Tadeo-Malo and I'm joined by my co-host, Gerda Felix. Until next time. See you soon. <laughs>